delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming up your way this week. A deep dive into the world of engineering. This week, Wes McDougall to join us. He's engineered great drivers like Jamie Winkup in his final season and others as well. We'll talk to him about what happens behind the scenes in a driver's mind. We'll also have a look at a massive weekend ahead in the world of motorsport, Perth, Azerbaijan and everything else going on right around the world. Right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me as he does always off the top of the program, Richard Crowell. Hello, you buddy. Hello, Tony Shebeki. Big week in car racing coming up. This is a very big weekend in our sport. Isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's There's a lot going on. A lot. Supercars in Perth, Formula One. F1s. Finally, yeah. The Chinese Grand Prix missing was painful because we were without Formula One for another week, which was annoying. Uh, IndyCar uh, back in action yeah. as well. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So, yeah, looking forward to breaking all that down in a big weekend. The groove in the couch is ready. Yeah, it certainly is going to be a massive weekend. Uh, and Richard, we've got a guess. It's a little bit. Different to what we normally talk about. Normally we have people talking about upcoming race meetings and all that sort of stuff, but we've actually got a guy with us today who's talking about an upcoming, or oh, it's actually there, website. Yeah, but very relevant, I think, to the world of motorsport that we cover. So uh, we often talk about the engineering behind the scenes in motorsport and how vital it is in this day and age in tuning both the cars, but also these days the drivers up. It's a massive part of it. And a guy that's had an enormous amount of success, he engineered Todd Hazelwood to a Super 2 championship. He was Jamie Winkup's last full-time engineer, and he's launched a brand-new project called The Complete Race Driver. His name is Wes McDougall, who'll be familiar to supercar fans everywhere, engineered to the stars, and he joins us on the grid. Wes, g'day. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. Nice to nice to have you on the show. We'll come to your little new project in a minute because it's very interesting and, and I love the approach. But for those that might not be aware, just just give us the uh, the, the penny tour of your your motorsport career, um, you know, working with some really incredible names and, and in some incredible places as well all the way around the world. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I, I started off as a... Um, Dewey-eyed uh, teenager back in back in Melbourne, and I helped uh, helped out at a place called Balland Racing, um, which, as you guys might know, is from where Mike Balland uh, works the Spectrum uh, Formula Ford cars. So um, that was while I was still in high school. So I started there when I was like 15 years old, just sweeping floors, doing all the all the dirty jobs, all that fun sort of stuff. Um, and as I worked through uni, I was working part time there. And then uh, when I finished my degree, I headed off, packed the bags um, and headed off to the UK. So I went to work for a team called uh, Lister. Um, so, yeah, people might know that it's the place where Mark Skay, uh, he, he, he drove for, for Lister in the, in the late 90s, I believe. And I was here in the early, early 2000s. So, yeah, you know, did a few Le Mans 24 hours. Um, the team had just expanded to like doing a prototype LMP 900. So ran that, did some wind tunnel stuff there. Uh, also the GT cars. So yeah, that was just 
racing literally every weekend, GT cars one weekend, LMP cars the others. So it was, yeah, a, a great experience for a for a young kid wanting to see the world and, and explore motor racing dreams and ambitions. I'm glad you said you worked for Mike Borland uh, off the top because it sort of explains a little bit about your thinking outside the box. Mike does that very much so. And it's so important, isn't it, for an engineer to be that sort of person? Yeah, I think so. I think I feel really blessed and lucky having worked with with Mike. He, um, while I was going through university, I had the um, the theoretical side of you know engineering and um, how things work and, and processes and how to do things. Um, but working with Mike, I was able to learn the you know the practical side of motorsport, the nuts and bolts, the hard work. The long hours, you know, uh, keeping things simple, um, you know, not making things complicated. So that was, yeah, as I said, I feel very, very lucky having been brought up in that environment and working with him and, and many great, great drivers. Um, the the Lister stuff is fascinating. The the Lister Storm is one of my favourite GT cars that's ever been made with that big Jag V12 under the front. Look yeah. wild. They were always super competitive in that amazing era of, GT racing where you had the Viper and Ferrari, I think, had the 550 Marinello and then the 575. And um, I don't know if you ever played the video game GTR or, or GTR2. The Lister was in that. And that game was amazing. It had a full MoTeC. You could engineer the things. But that was always my car. Those cars were amazing to to watch race and even even from afar. Yeah, it, they, were, they were a beast of a car. Like, as, as you described, they were... You know, V12, um, which which was quite an, quite an old engine, but it was um, you know produced a huge amount of horsepower, um, and it was it it sat really far back, almost in the cockpit. You know, it's almost a sports sedan sort of type of car in its in its um, in its making. Huge amount of downforce, sequential gearbox, um, and yeah, all all the drivers love to drive them. A very very forgiving forgiving car, lots of power, downforce, um, yeah. A really joy to drive from what I, from what I hear. There's a great YouTube video that actually just dropped by Alex Brundle, the the racer and, and son of Martin, and annoyingly good commentator as well these days. Um, driving a car that I think it, it's Jamie Campbell Water still owns and still races in in historic competition in the UK. It's the the championship winning car I think from 2003. It's well worth a watch. Um, so Aussie fans will be aware of your supercar career where where did that start and what was your introduction to supercars and then tell us a bit about the journey coming through the ranks in supercar racing here yeah so i came back to australia at um the end of 2004 um after i got a job with stone brothers racing um so you know small small sort of word world motor racing um ken douglas from from motec and the driver in his his own right he uh he had one of mike Bolland's formula fords um, so I knew him from then, um, and then yeah, he was he was technical director at Stone Brothers at the time, uh, and they had an opening with a with a data engineer. So um, I was sort of race engineering the listers overseas. Then I came back to be a data engineer with with Stone Brothers and working with with Marcus D'Ambrose. So um, yeah, I stayed at Stone Brothers from yeah 2005, uh, and then right through till they they transitioned to Erebus Motorsport. Um, so yeah, working with with Marcus initially, which was, you know, just amazing experience there, mm. soaking up everything everything I could, um, and then progressed to race engineering, James Courtney when yeah after he he came on board at at, at SBR. 
some big names right there. Wes, I want you to think of your day as a, a, a race engineer on a, on a race day as being 100%. And I want you to break that down for me as to how much is theory, how much is prac, so that's stuff that you've learned in the past, and how much is just sheer bloody instinct? Yeah, well, yeah, first of all, a normal normal day for a race engineer or anyone in motorsport, it's never, never a normal day and, and never no two days are ever the same. You know, it's there's always fresh challenges and that's what part of the attraction is to motor racing and the and the job. Um, but to answer your question, uh, to try and break it down a little bit, I think as you learn as a as a race engineer or anyone in motorsport, a lot of the work gets done or it sort of should get done as much as you can behind the scenes. So what what everyone sees at the race weekend is such a tiny percentage of the work and effort that the whole team and sort of you as a race engineer, um, you know, do. So you, you, you're coming up with theories, you, you're testing them in-house at the workshop, um, you, you're making sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So when you get to the track and you've got such a short amount of practice time, you know, two 30-minute sessions or um you know even 90 minutes this this weekend at barbie yellow um it's it's such a short amount of time to try and get everything right so yeah a lot of it's theory but then yeah it's it's you want to include the driver and obviously everything that's happening so that that's where the balance comes in because i look at you blokes as similar to a footy coach your team's four or five goals down you're coming into the last quarter in your case your driver's languishing in 13th place he can't do anything at some point, you've got to try and pull something out of somewhere to try and make that situation change. How much of that then is theory and how much of that is just, hang on, I think we could actually do this, just, as I said, pure instinct? Well, I think that's – you've hit the nail on the head. That, that, that's what sort of um, – you don't get taught at university as a race yeah. engineer, and that's that's what you have to learn working in motor racing and working with lots of drivers and – Learning from your peers and 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 people um, people around you in the team, so you're sort of very ill-equipped. I think you know if you just go completely off um, numbers and um, theory, you're not equipped to work with race drivers. That's something you sort of have to learn on the fly because you are, as you say, you're a coach. You're their you're their cheerleader. Um, you got to try and help them. So that's when you know speaking to them on the radio, encouraging them, knowing what things to say or what not to say. <laughs> And is, when to say is, it, and when to say it, um, you know. So that's that. That's a huge, huge part of the job, and that's why everyone talks about that driver engineer relationship and why it's so crucial. It's yeah. you know, it's it's all about communication and and um, just just knowing how each other reacts to input and and questions and and talking. Has it evolved? that role in your time, Wes, in doing it in that because, and I don't know if it's just the fact that our coverage is now so good and we've got the team radio access and, you know, everyone's mic'd up, there's behind the scenes docos, you know, no one can hide now in the paddock. So everything you guys do is documented and, mm. you know, the, the, the fact that you're as much a life coach as you are going, Oh, we need to add half a degree of camber to get the thing to turn better. Um, but but has that changed? Has that that personal side of it, the actual coaching side of it, become more prevalent? Do you think in that role, especially as regulations tighten and there's less loopholes that you guys can exploit from a technical point of view to make the car go quicker? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I I, I don't know if it's 
changed massively. I think it's it's always been a, a vital vital part of it. I think that that's always been you know a cornerstone of um, you know setting up a race car. Well, is that that driver engineer relationship? Uh, I think the thing that has changed is the the data um, mm. um, and the the level um, the level of the teams themselves getting getting better and better. That that that's changed a lot. I think probably maybe the thing that has changed from the driver side is just the just the awareness of how important that relationship is and and how um, you know how they they as a driver can best exploit it to to get something back for themselves if you like. Mm. And and it's sort of. I think it was NASCAR that was the first category that really brought, in their case, a crew chief into being almost as well known as the drivers themselves. And they're as much a part of the broadcast. In fact, you can see more of them because they don't wear a helmet and a balaclava and they're out in the open. So it's really interesting how the public face of engineering has changed, which brings us to your new program, which is called The Complete Race Driver. Tell us about this and where it's come about because it's a it's a fascinating insight, I suppose, into what racing car drivers probably need to have a look at within themselves. But just, just give us a bit of an idea firstly where the concept for this has come from. Yes, at the end of 2021, I was working with Triple um, Eight Race Engineering, Red Bull Racing uh, and Jamie Winkup and... Um, I was born with a, a heart condition, so I, um, you know, motor racing was a hugely taxing, uh, hugely exciting environment, but it was it was wearing me down um, physically. So um, I decided to take some time off. Uh, so I spent spent time with my family, took some time off, went for a trip around Australia, which was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, obviously the passion for motor racing is is always there, always that underpinning. And I was trying to think of ways that I could uh, probably, you know, give back a little bit to the the industry and 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 have a look inside what what I really liked. I love the technical side. I, I love that engineering, that aspect of it, improving and, and chipping away and and trying to help, um, you know, team team win. But also look back and realised, uh, you know, I love you know trying to help people improve and and get the best out of themselves, whether that's you know, seven-time champion in Jamie Winkup or, or whether that was, you know, touched on Todd Hazelwood there mm. when he first started in Super 2, uh, seeing those rookie drivers, um, you know, Tim Slade, another guy that I worked with in at SBR, when he sort of first started and, and progressed through with him and saw that evolution. And I realised I'd sort of enjoy that that aspect of, you know, helping people achieve trying, or try and achieve their goals. Um, and, and just that, that also that that mental side of the sports squad, yeah, I find it extremely fascinating. So in so, regards, oh, sorry, Richard, go ahead. No, go anyway. No, no, you go. I was just going to say, in regards into the relationship that you do have with the drivers, uh, can you explain what it is? Is it are you basically best mates, or only on race weekends? Do you hang out with each other, with each other outside of race meetings? I know you see each other at the at the the workshop every day, basically as well. What is how far does the relationship go with drivers? Uh, it, it's it's different with everyone. Uh, it's like you know I'm um, I'm I feel like I'm lucky that a lot of the the guys I've worked with I'm I'm really good mates. We can always have a chat. We'll we'll catch up out outside of uh, the race weekend and 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 get together and sometimes not even talk motor racing. Um, but it, it's 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 different for for every driver. I feel like I've worked with quite a few, and it's there's not one rule fits. Mm. Uh, one size fits all type of thing. 
Um, and do but, they tell you the relationship that they want to have with you, or is it something that just becomes? No, yeah, it's organic. It's, it's organic. It, it's I think it has to be. Um, I think it's if it's forced like that, it's it's probably doomed doomed to fail. So you, you, you know, as long as you got you know respect for each other, that's that's the bit the bare minimum, and then you work up from there, and then you know it's it's just teeing off one another, bouncing backwards and forwards. Um, you know, I always. You know, if, if I see a driver that they're they're working hard to improve their performance, I you know damn well need to make sure I'm doing everything under my control. Though I'm making sure that the car's good as they can be, as it can be for them. Uh, it's really easy for for race engineers to to blame the driver just as much as it is for the the driver to blame the engineer, the tires, or the the, the engine, or the car, or whatever. So um, you know that that doesn't get anybody anywhere. So you you want to you know, build each other up and, and, and work on that communication. So tell, tell us about the, the website and, and I do read your, your information and, uh, and, and it's, it seems very, very broad. So one of the things I love following is, is racing car drivers that are at what seems to be a peak performance, but their competitive drive is so much that they, they're, they're never satisfied and they always want to improve and they're, they're going off to the UK to go and spend a day with Rob Wilson tuning themselves mm. up or they're studying or they're in the workshop or whatever it might be. But um, how, how broad is this? And could an absolute numpty like me who does one day a year in a Hyundai XL, um, would, can I get something out of this as well? How, how broad have you targeted this? Yeah, it, it's it's quite broad so it's, it's trying to really capture as you say you know someone that does a bit of bit of track day work throughout the year um you know we're at the at the local track um you know sort of right up to the you know i'd say someone who's just getting into say that supercar level that's just knocking on the door about becoming a full-time driver so it, it is quite broad there's two sort of there's two sort of courses a a light course and a and the main main course um but yeah, it's it's divided up into sort of sections and and lessons and chapters that it's uh, you know you don't have to digest it all in one go. It's it's easily uh, readable and digestible in in those sort of bite sized pieces, and it covers different topics from from the mental side to the fundamentals, you know, to what you do at what you should be doing at the racetrack, uh, away from the racetrack because it's as I touched on earlier, it's such a big part of it even. Just being away from the racetrack, what you can do behind the scenes to improve. So, yeah, it's quite a broad, broad uh, subject and overview. And I'd say fairly important, isn't it? Because our, our sport is so unique in that, you know, if you want to get better at cricket, you go down to the nets of an evening and face a couple of balls. If you want to get better at footy, you go to training a couple of times a week or, um, you know, Coast play. Yeah, will be coached by yeah. Premiership award-winning coach and voice of the G, Tony Shebeki. Um, but but motor racing being what it is, A, expensive, B, quite hard to access at times. You can't just rock up at your local racetrack and cut laps. Um, th this kind of stuff seems to be was more important now than it ever has been. Yeah, it's I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and motorsport is such a different environment to, you know, touched on footy coaching or, you know, you look at basketball, cricket, all these, all these team sports uh, and individual sports have have coaches, and, and motor racing is so unique in that it, it really doesn't have a 
a coach or a full-time coach for for drivers, and that, that sort of ends up being being the engineer, if you like. Uh, yes, there are a lot of num- a lot of ex drivers and current drivers that that do coach, and and I, I think they're they're fantastic. You know, and I encourage every driver to go do those those coaching days. Um, but yeah, it's it's really hard for drivers to to try and improve, and especially testing is so minimal, um, and it's so important for for and for teams as well. So a lot of the time the teams want to test components and make the cars quicker and there's not much left of the pie or slice of the pie for the drivers to try and improve improve themselves when they go testing or, or at practice. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school here because it's front and centre in the middle of the website. Uh, there is a cost involved. It's 189 bucks, but to me that seems bloody cheap for what you get. Yeah, it's it's... Yeah, there's 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 that fee there, and it's 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 six and a half hours um, of of both video information and written information. So, you know, some people like to to read and digest things that way. Others like to watch videos or, or listen to stuff. So, I've tried to cater for all the sort of tastes in the world to to try and you know help that help that information. Richard, I'm thinking you don't get too many driver coaches for 189 bucks for six and a half hours work. No, I know what some of them charge, and it's not that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the website is thecompleteracedriver.com. Check it out. Uh, a great resource, uh, whether you're progressing up through the ranks. A lot of young drivers do listen to this show, Shebex, which we're very proud of, um, mainly after they've been guests on it, to be fair. But um, check it out, and... I'm going to sign up to try and get myself into the 28s at Malala and a Hyundai Excel when I finally get back behind the wheel at some point later this year. Mate, um, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. All the very best for the new venture and look forward to bumping into you at a racetrack at some point this year. Sounds fantastic. Really appreciate you having me, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Wes McDougall joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Krause joining us for a chat as always at the back end of the program. Mark Walker, hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crowell. Tony, you didn't get the top job at the AFL. I am disappointed. Bad outcome for the sport. <laughs> you see, I didn't know. They, didn't, they obviously didn't get they that didn't job. Tell you. I think Andrew Dillon's getting that now. Now Gill's got the Tassie government over the line. <laughs> How's Sorry. that, eh, with uh, the federal government putting in a whack of money to make sure that stadium gets built? That's fantastic for them. Good for the AFL. Yes. Which has nothing to do with motorsport. What, what Absolutely. Whatever not. happened to the Constitution Dock 500 in, in Hobart? That would have been a great street race <laughs> with a special with, with a special uh, stage in the Oval. Now, but we've we, have we written about that at some point on the racetalk.com, Mark? Oh, I'm sure we have. I if think you we search, probably have. Search Hobart. I'm sure there you are a lot of mentions. racetrack stories written in the year 2020 that popped up on the old website. If there's one coming Friday as well. Beauty, your beauty. Uh, speaking of Tassie, we'll be heading down there in a few weeks' time for a round of supercars down at Launceston at Simmons Plains. But this weekend, all the action is happening, of course, over in Perth. But you mentioned it before, Richard. What a God. massive weekend for motorsport. And do you know what? Because this is the best European Grand Prix from a time zone point of view, yes. because it's literally the closest geographically to us, um, it's it's a bonanza. We're literally seg from supercars to Formula One on Saturday night with no gap in between. In fact, I think there could be crossover between the Saturday supercar race and the Formula One sprint qualifying shootout thing. So, yeah, we're getting the multiple monitors set up. I'm missing Perth, so uh, I'll be on the lounge. Can't wait. I've got a theory on that uh, 
favourable time zone, 9pm kickoff on Sunday night for the Grand Prix. The, the F1 officials, they got a taste of red flags in, in Melbourne, didn't they? <laughs> they got four of them in there. I reckon we can see five or six in Baku. It's the sort of track that will be conducive to five or six red flags in the race finishing at 2.30am. I'm looking forward to some, like, Bathurst 12-hour spec overnight rebuild stories because the sprint race on Saturday, how many cars are going to be canoed there? Seriously, they, they they will all be canoed. Every team is going to break the curfew for one night on Saturday night because they are, will all be bolting corners back on and replacing engines and all sorts of stuff. I think everyone could end up with a grid penalty for replacing the power unit. Cool. It's a very feasible thing because, the, yeah, there's going to be some canoes. I can't wait for one. I love Azerbaijan as a racetrack. It's a brilliant Formula 1 track. Well, while we're here talking about it, it's probably worth mentioning what the actual hell is going on. So Friday, there's free practice and mm-hmm. then qualifying for Sunday's race. Yep. Then Saturday, there's qualifying for the sprint race and the yep. Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday, there's Grand Prix. But then they've issued some more details today. Grid penalties on sprint weekends. Now, I'm not very smart, but I'm going to read what I've got in front of me here and Mm. see if you can make sense out of this. Grid penalties will be given in free practice one and Friday qualifying will be added to the race. What? Grid penalties given in the sprint shootout will be added to the sprint. Yeah, that makes sense. Grid penalties given in the sprint will be added to the race. Yeah. Park for main breaches will mean a pit lane start for both the sprint and the race. Yeah. Our unit penalties will only be added to the race. That's fairly self-explanatory. Oh, God. Is it? I've got yeah. such an ice cream headache from yeah, that. that. That seems that, semi-logical. Yeah, you, just, need a, you need to be an F1 race caller to understand it, clearly. <laughs> I mean, that's why red mug punters like me have gone wrong. Jeez Louise. Uh, no, simple, that, stupid. No, that's all right. Don't mind it. Right, right. But at least there's none of that, you know, They've come out and said practice is boring, which is an yep, absolute which constant in all of motorsport. And Correct. Back to Perth, we have an hour and a half of it on Friday afternoon. Yeah, beauty. But at least it's the only one. Yeah. I'm happy to bowl all the Friday practice over in one hit. Yep. I don't yep. mind that. That's not bad. Friday's but a long day. I'm, I prefer that than three 30-minute sessions or whatever it is they normally do. One session, be done with it. Teams can actually do meaningful stuff and, you know, run once, change some stuff, run again. I don't mind that. Don't mind it at all. And then we can just be done with Friday and move on to proper days where there's actually car racing. It's a bit of prime time viewing too this weekend. You're talking about the favourable viewing from Boku, like Perth, 545, is it 4.45 or 5.45 race starts uh, Mm. on the Eastern Seaboard. So that's a pretty decent sort of tea time viewing. Should be some good numbers uh, come Monday morning. Yeah, it certainly should be. Uh, well, let's focus our attention on supercars first up. Uh, it's going to be a weird weekend, I think. A, a few things still to play out, I reckon, out of what we've seen in the first two uh, weekends of racing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's another... I hate keep to keep saying this, but it's another one where we just don't really know because we've never been to a track like this. It's another completely unique little racetrack that always throws up something different every year regardless so well the other thing too is we haven't actually been on a racetrack per se well well that i mean that's another thing sure so but, but, effectively but wanneroo is so unique and among 
permanent racetracks with the surface and the sand and everything like that. So we still don't really know, which is great. And, and the unpredictability is tremendous. So the more of that we get, the better. And I still don't think we're going to have a proper form guide until we get to Simmons. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think there's potential for great racing. If, if they race half as well at Wanneroo as they did for those couple of laps we had green flag racing at Albert Park, it's going to be bonkers. That'll be tremendous. Mm. Is this our international race for the year? Because they all get on a wide body plane and head over there to Perth on a 15 hour flight. Uh, Then they just don't get any duty free when they get to the other end, which is a bit of a bummer. It's a bit of a drawback on the event. Mm. But it's that cool old school one and a half mile circuit that produces cool racing. Uh, I mean, that's great. Uh, A con is that they stuff the circuit when they put that pit lane in the middle. You don't want to be a spectator there because you can't see what you used to be able to see. They really did ruin that joint. Mm. Uh, And the thing that really terrifies me about it is that qualifying where everyone's trying to find space and they'll queue up at the last corner and you've got cars barreling over the top of the hill at 260Ks an hour met by a brick wall of race cars. And I've sat there in qualifying before and watched them come over there and it is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but you've stole, you've preemptively stolen my what was going to be a preemptive not oh, well. in, the, in the rankings later. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was going to. Why are we still persisting with these qualifying formats at tracks where traffic is always a problem, and yet yeah. we don't fix the problem, which is the fact that you're trying to squeeze twenty five cars on a one and a half mile racetrack, and yet we're still doing it. So that's my not for this week, by the way. And I suspect it will be a not next week when we're talking about another Gen 3 supercar being shortened by six inches because they've drilled someone up the behind for wobbling out of pit lane while they're on a hot lap or more to the point coming down into turn six at the bottom of the hill. Cool. Good right. Some people have to fire up this weekend. I did some basic maths after the Grand Prix. I don't know if it still stands up, but Mm. I think all of the competitors in the field this year have a top 10 finish to their credit with the exception of Matthew Payne, best finish 12th, Jack Smith, best finish 14th, Cameron Hill, best finish 15th, and Nick Perkat, best Mm. finish 14th. Well, what, Payne, what's we he got to do? Matt Payne, we can forgive, can't we? He's only two races into his career. Oh, same with Cameron Hill. Yeah. yeah, Cameron Hill, exactly. But Nick Perkat, oh, dude, that he is snake bitten, isn't he? Well, I mean, you just don't lose that talent. It's like the Daniel Ricciardo situation. Mm, exactly, like this ad nauseum over the place. You don't, you don't lose your driving talent, do you? But what's it's not the, something that's new for this year, is it? It's carried on from last year as well. And that's the concerning thing, because you would have liked to think that a brand new car and a clean sheet of paper might have transformed things there, but clearly something's not clicking. I think there's there's pressure on Nick, obviously. James Courtney, 24th in the championship, so only one place further up with two DNSs to his credit in the six races we've had so far and one DNF. So it's been an absolutely brutal start to the year for JC, despite the fact he's been bloody quick. Mm. So at least he's got car speed, which is great. The other one I think that that needs to have a really good weekend is Anton Di Pasquale, who coming into the weekend is 18th in the championship. Um, his teammate, Will Davison, only 11th, which is subpar for, for DJR. But um, it's been a rough start to the year for Anton. You know, the pair of 16th, they were MIA at Newcastle, as we've touched on. They definitely had pace in Melbourne, a little bit unlucky perhaps. But um, yeah, they're the ones that that we'll be watching just to see how they can they can fire up at um, 
up at Wanneroo Raceway and not Barbagello anymore, by the way. That's going to be hard work, isn't it? It's definitely Wanneroo. Carco.com. Just not. Did you know I heard that um, (laughs) the West Australian, and this is only hearsay and rumour, that the West Australian Sporting Car Club did that deal with carco.com.au, whoever they are, to sponsor the racetrack, but uh, they're not a supercar sponsor. So there was some last-minute scrambling because in a lot of the early stuff that came out from supercars, it was definitely Wanneroo Raceway, and there was zero mention of this big-dollar sponsor that they had signed. Correct me if I'm wrong, WASCC, but um, I think that has been rectified since, and it it does come up as carco.com.au Raceway, which is, um, anyway, good on them. Sponsors in motorsport, how good? You mentioned Anton's got to step up this weekend. But Willie D, it's a sort of circuit where he goes pretty okay. You go mm. back to 2012 and, you know, he did that Houdini act to somehow hold off everyone somehow. And he wasn't had off as mm. uh, as Dado asked uh, <laughs> Win Cup at the final corner and he held on for the win there. Then he had the big surprise win in the Mercedes in 2015. That was a real come from behind effort and he had to hold on there. And then you look last year, he broke that drought that, went all the way back to Bathurst 2016. So it's a circuit that does suit him, you know, all the the tyre abrasion and all that sort of stuff. The tracks had another year of wear on it. So hopefully it's a bit more of a trees greater than it was last year. So fingers crossed it's the sort of place where we do see some deg. Hmm. Uh, if Shane Van Gisbergen needed any more incentive to continue his great run in supercars, a new multi-year extension under his contract is a great incentive and it sort of puts to bed any ideas that we thought he might be going to race nest cars or something next year maybe not happening by the looks of things well i mean the the thing was where where do you go where you're going to get the same kind of a competitive car and let's be honest be remuneration so shane's probably the best paid driver in the sport, he'd have to be. And when you factor in bonus and things, absolutely correct, Shabex. 100% should be. Um, So do you give all that up when you're in the absolute peak, peak of your career in a team that's firing to go and maybe do a part-time NASCAR campaign or an an even more part-time WRC campaign? Bearing in mind, to go and do WRC, you're probably going to have to bring money at the moment because it's not flush with works drives. Um. And, and certainly you're never going to get big budget to go and run ARC full-time. So what are what are his options? I'd be very interested in, you never know, but but what, what the clauses in that contract are. You know, they were very vague about, they didn't say how many years it was, just multi-years. No, yeah. So I'm sure if there's, if someone, you know, Trackhouse Racing come knocking and say, we're going to randomly give Shane a full-time drive in NASCAR, I'm sure there's a deal there for him to get out. But um I just think it, at his point in the career, it's absolutely the best option for him to go and, and do what he's doing in the sport at a, a highly competitive level. You, you've stolen my knot. Thanks, Tony. Uh, oh, sorry, my friend. No, we no, didn't no, discuss this, this before we go to bed. Yeah, this is well, we're both, no knots this week, except for Bex, because he hasn't <laughs> delivered for the last two. Mark and I have ticked I'll, the box already in the show. I'll find some knots. But it's just... it's. Everything you said is 100% true, and it's the best thing for Shane, without a doubt. 
as a mug punter (laughs) at home, he's going to stick the thing up by just smoking everyone for the next three years. He's going to win three more championships and three more Bathurst. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And everyone will get angry and then we'll have the same scenario where he throws the teddies out of the pram and leaves for a better drive somewhere, which will come eventually, like Scott McLaughlin, and he'll be bitter to it for a long time. And that's the thing. Scotty stank up the thing. He smoked everyone for that those years mm. and he's gone over and he's now smashing them in IndyCar and we're seeing what he's capable of in yep. something that wasn't necessarily where he came from. And, and, you know, we're all very proud of Scotty going over and then doing that would have been awesome to see mm. Van Giz over there smashing him in NASCAR or whatever, anything. Yeah. Mm. Well, the good thing is, is that the cars that will be behind Shane Van Gisbergen this week, we'll know who they are because we'll be able to see the little led number on the front windscreen. Oh Yeah. Just, they've been trying this for a long time and it never seems to work. So <laughs> whatever. But the, the thing is, <laughs> I, 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 I they're trying, Richard. I know they're trying. They worked at the 12 hour this year, to be fair. I, I understand why they took the big numbers off the side because the big numbers on the sides of the cars don't pay any rent. They mm. pay very little. So they put the stickers on the side and on the windscreen so they can sell all the sides for sponsorship. So now they've taken the sticker off the front of the car and they've got the, uh, are they keeping it one on one side and the thingy on the other side, the no, LED no, panel? Because no. if they take the number off the front, how are you going to tell the new long cars apart, the Penrite cars apart, the Red Bull cars apart, the Shell cars apart, the track assist cars apart? <laughs> You're, it's going to be a disaster. They're going to have two little numbers on the side like Formula One cars. You're not going to yeah. know who they are. But who has dramas knowing who's wearing the race? Mm. In the sprint race format for supercars, if you can't figure out Who's leading? It's going to be Van Giz, by the way, for the next, <laughs> next three years. <laughs> you don't, he doesn't don't, need a lead pa- an LED oh, panel on the front of his car. You know dreams. that it's going to be Van Giz out in front. <laughs> hey, the, the other thing I've got to bring up too is, and this is sort of weird, but once again, at least they're trying something. Live pit lane. The, the order of pit lane to be determined by the championship standings as of the round before. Well, they haven't. It's not confirmed. No, but are we in favour of it happening? They're talking about it. I am. I, I like it. I think it's cool. Um, I, I get that there's this whole argument that it takes away from the team's championship, which is fine, which it does probably, because the only thing you get for winning the team's championship is pit lane priority for the next year. But I'd, I'd like to reward immediate performance. The, the only problem with it is, is that some of these teams are very difficult how do you split them up fairly, mm. I suppose, is the thing. So if you're BJR and you're going along really nicely because Andre Heingarten is currently fourth in the championship, but I don't think that means, with the fullest of respect to Macaulay Jones and Jack Smith, I don't think that means they should be the second and third garages in pit lane. So um, it becomes a little bit challenging to split that up. And, of course, you know, if you're BJR, you want all four of your cars parked next to each other. If you're Tickford, you're probably the same. Um, and and does splitting them up mean the teams have to spend more money on more resources to run basically two different garages at one end of pit lane and the other? So I, I I don't know how you do it fairly, but I, 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 I like the concept in general, Shebex, because I'd like to reward performance. I would love... So let's say, so right now, it'd be Erebus WAU. So Erebus would be a pit exit. WAU would be second, Triple Eight third, Brad Jones fourth, Tickford fifth, 
uh, Grove sixth, Matt Stone Racing will be the seventh team in pit lane mm. because Jack LeBrock's ninth in the championship. So that's a massive gain for them and a reward for their awesome start to the year. So I don't mind that. I don't mind it at all. Look, yeah. it works in NASCAR. They do it in NASCAR because all the teams are standalone. They don't have well, – they, they might have a four-car team, cars, but they're, yeah. all, they're all separate. And the thing that they do over there is that they have an open garage policy. So they don't have any paraphernalia or walls between the pits. So all the cars just pull in there and everyone can see what everyone else does. And they do that to stop cheating because mm. you can look next door. And they do that because they line up first, second, third, fourth, fifth in order so that the good teams are all down one end looking at each other, how they're all cheating, and mm. they're able to knock on each other. And it really works over there. Whether it would really work to the same, same extent in supercars, I'm not sure. But, yeah, cool, whatever. From a media perspective, it's a pain in the butt because you just start to get used to where the teams are in the garage after the first couple of rounds, and then all of a sudden you're going to change your order again next week, and I'm going to go, oh, no, they're not there. Now they're up the front, aren't they? Oh, God. I, I, I genuinely think it's a good idea, but very difficult to execute, which I think is probably the, the sticking point. When it gets to board and commission level when they're trying to sort out the, the details, yeah. I think that's what they'll stumble uh, who's over. Who's on the board now? Is, is it someone who isn't DJR because they're suddenly down the absolute back end of the pits and they're <laughs> yeah. going, well, this is a good idea. Let's bring it in for Perth. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Mm. Uh, mm. Just a very quick tip for Wanneroo. Uh, I'm not going to tip a winner because I think that's too difficult, but I am going to tip that I think Brody continues to lead the championship after this weekend. Good call. There you go. Cool, I'll take that. Yeah. And and what I'd like to see, Shebex, is I'd like to see Jack LeBrock rattle home another couple of top ten finishes. Just yeah. I'm 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 nervous that this is a, a an, an aberration for this strong start to the year. I don't want it to be. I would love nothing more than JLB to be a regular top ten contender, which he's been for the first two rounds. So been top 10, every race he's finished, five of the six he's finished. So I would love nothing more than to see car 34, seventh, eighth, ninth, even 10th, don't care, in every race this weekend. That would be an enormous step forward for Matt Stone Racing and the truck assist cars. I'm going to take my uh, heading of this segment back, Mark. I'm not going to say what's your tip. I'm going to say, what would you like to see this weekend? Madness. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for the chaos. Yeah. But, we'll get but- it. Yeah, but I, I don't think you're going to get it when Van Gisbergen wins three races in a row and walks away with an unsurmountable championship lead. I don't think he will. Oh, well, we'll see. I would <laughs> like to see Frosty on a podium on his 600th weekend. That'd oh, be, yeah. But him and Charlie, be very, very nice. All right, attention to Formula One. What are we going to see there? Oh, well, chaos, that's def- more that's, chaos. Yeah, there'll be chaos. There'll be canoes made. Um, very expensive Carbon Fibre canoes. Um, Verstappen's going to win. The Red Bull's the fastest car in the world in straight line pace. And Azerbaijan is a bunch of really tight corners and one 15-kilometer long straight. So uh, they're going to smoke them. It'll probably be Verstappen 1, Perez 2, although Checo's pretty good on the old straight circuits. But behind that, I reckon it'll be a beauty. So the battle for third will be wild. The Ferraris will be there. The Mercs should be there. Um McLaren bringing a big upgrade. They're talking about it as a B-spec car, so that would be fantastic if that's competitive for uh, for Oscar Piastri as well. The Alpines were pretty handy in Melbourne. Like, there's no F1 midfield anymore. It's 
everyone other than Red Bull yeah. in, in really have a chance to be in the top six or seven in that race. So, um, and Azerbaijan is traditionally pretty wild. It, it's the closest thing... Uh, it's the closest thing to an IndyCar race Formula One has. And that is an absolute full-blown compliment because IndyCar races are wild, especially on straight circuits, and F1 needs more of that. Um, and imagine how big it would be. Imagine if F1 had the on-track product that IndyCar's got. Mm. It, it'd be an even more unstoppable juggernaut than it is now currently with reasonably processional racing. So now looking forward to it. It's a cool race. We'll see how the sprint race format thing goes, but there's going to be some, um, there's going to be some fair old chance. IndyCar, Barber. Mm, what's good thoughts? That should be a good one. Can Penske bounce back? They need to. I, I, I think they'll bounce back with a vengeance. I reckon. Almost vengeance. remember almost once at Pete, had Scotty and Grosjean mm, not okay. had their little drama. So they've been quick. Will Powers in, I'm just going to cruise and um, collect points if I'm not quick enough to win, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I reckon they strike back pretty hard. New Garden's in good touch. So, yeah, I, I'd love for a, a Scotty podium this weekend. Feel it. I feel it coming. Ooh. Have you been watching Bus Bros? Bus yeah. Bros is great. The commercial mm. providers. The commercial providers have gone to a whole new level. If you haven't seen Bus Pros, it's so good. <laughs> Jump on Joseph Newgarden's YouTube and watch he and Scotty do just ridiculous things. It's very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, and NASCAR's? Uh, NASCAR this week was at Talladega, and I thought it was a pretty good super speedway race. I mean, people in the NASCAR industry didn't think that, but whatever. Uh, it turned into a bit of a fuel race with the late cautions. Cole Bush missed a call to come into the pits before the final restart. Uh, Bubba Wallace was out the front in the white flag, uh, and he got turned by his friend Ryan Blaney, so that was quite awkward. Uh, Basically, that was the end of the race. Bush then picked up the pieces. He won his second race since moving to Richard Childress Racing at the start of the year. It was his 62nd career cup win, the 227th NASCAR win in the top three series for Kyle Bush, and his <laughs> first win in the Cup Series at Talladega since 2008. Was... And he ran out of fuel before his burnout. So good <laughs> on him. That is a fuel race. No doubt about it. All right, time for our uh, pots. For this week, you've got to deliver on a knot this week, my friend, because you, Mark, and I, I feel have delivered some absolute beauties for the last two weeks. But there hasn't been any racing for me to actually deliver. I've been... I, I made Nats off a knot last week. You don't. It doesn't have to be relevant. I made their opposition and not the week before. You did. Right. All right. Go on. Okay. All right. Hot. Can I have the uh, same hot and not? No. My, right. Is go, it mild go, go. or go? <laughs> okay, look, we've been here analysing the news and I feel that we've let the team down, we've let the sport down and we've missed the biggest news story possibly of 2023. Is but, it uh, Dan Tickdom being a flog? That's just a standing knot, Richard. Right. That You've stolen my other one there. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> you put it up. <laughs> yeah, he is a flog. Um, <laughs> if you well, listen to the show, Dan, I'm sorry, but... You're a fly. So you don't are, don't say things, seriously. <laughs> oh, internal thoughts, mate. Mm. Um, if you know, you know. Right. Biggest hot. And you all missed it, and it did laps of the internet, still going very, very hard in the internet. Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift dating. I don't, it, oh, I don't look, think it's happening. What? I don't think it's happening. Look, 
Formula One has engaged the Netflix audience and the only way it can get bigger than it currently is if it can draw on the world's biggest army, i.e. the Swifties. I mean, could you imagine that if the Swifties became involved with Formula One and engaged? How unstoppable it would just be. Sport would never be the same. Is that why... And make of this what you will. Is this why Tay Tay stuff keeps popping up on my Instagram uh, reels when I'm sliding through, having a little? You know what, Richard? There's been music made since Pink Floyd. I know this is, this is what happens. I am aware of this, but I don't believe she and Fernando Alonso are a thing. I do not buy into it for a it's second. On the internet, though. And then <laughs> then he put up the the TikTok with him yes, with the, the Taylor internet... Swift song. <laughs> the internet and <that> boyfriend. <laughs> It was him. He put it up. But the internet has a Formula E car being pushed out of a plane and crashed into the ground at a million miles an hour as well, and I don't believe that either. <laughs> Look, anyway, whatever. Okay. I hope, well, that, that's I hope Fernando's oh, very hope. happy. Uh, they're both recently single, and it all makes a lot of sense and it'd be great for the sport. Um, <laughs> I, I do give a hot to Formula E. Mitch Evans, much yeah, from awesome. uh, having a win over there in Berlin. Great kid, Formula 3 alumni from Australia. Mm. And then a Formula Ford alumni from Australia, Nick Cassidy, won the next day. So uh, good day for Antipodeans over there in Germany. Um, I'll give a hot to um, the Packenham Car Club G5 Carnacross <laughs> the weekend. Good. We, we had 54 entries. It was massive. It was enormous. And I'm, I'm sitting there in the timing shed with two stopwatches and a camera, and it was just a big day. It was a really big day out. Um some further hots involving fire, um, which is hot, but the hots are, are elsewhere to do with that. Uh, Jeb Burton won the Xfinity race in a car owned by Jordan Anderson, who you might remember was the guy who caught fire at Talladega the year before and mm. bailed from his car as it was on fire hitting the wall. So they've turned that around, huge redemption for them, and they took the win in the Xfinity race, which was... Uh, Really quite a big surprise. And the other one was the big fire at Queensland Raceway. Stevie Chant, the Hyundai XL, had an absolute shocker at turn one, rolled her XL eight times, landed upside oh. down on top of another car. Uh, they both caught fire. Fortunately, Steve Kirby, Brett Parrish, Gordon Smith, David Halstead, Maverick, Kevin Yeveri, and Brad Smith also got out and helped out Kyle uh, Clements out of the other car. Oh, it was well. caught up in it. Awesome to see, you know, they, they both uh, got wheeled off to hospital, but they're doing okay. But uh, just those actions of those guys on the scene, obviously the officials do a great job, but to have the, the other competitors pull up in a hurry and really save the day is uh, really cool. And they do deserve all the commendation in the world for yeah. their actions. Well done, lads, and well done. I thought Billy Bobby was the only person to ever catch fire at Talladega. Uh, that was in his mind, Ricky Bobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Richard, what now? Have you had a hot? Have I got a hot? Yes, I do. Mm. And it's I'd super twos. It. It's super twos this weekend oh, yes. in Perth. And my hot is the fact that we get to see Aaron Love making super two debut. Kid that we absolutely adore in motor racing for his time that he spent through uh, Porsches and his brother and his family as well. So it's great to see him step into a super two car for the first time. And let's hope Hi. he does really, really well. We did race the opening round. There you go. Great to see him step into for a second time. At home. At, at home. home. The first time at home. That's what I meant. So I can add That's to what that. I meant. Did I forget to say that? You did. Sorry. You did. So I'm glad we could pick that up and just clarify that. 
Um, I can add to that for you, though, Shebex. Please and do. Because two of the most exciting drivers I've had the joy of commentating on in Carrera Cup in the last five years have been Aaron Love and his brother Jordan. Yeah. And they're both racing this weekend, Shebex. Because Jordan will be in a GT car in a Merc with Tony Bates in Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia. There you go. So there you go. Um, which leads me to a, a few hots I've got. Um, one of them I am, and and I, I say this carefully, my hot is to Renee Gracie making a racing comeback. Good on her for doing it and good on her for bringing what is a legitimate sponsor into the sport. So say whatever you like about OnlyFans and she uses it for one purpose, but it does exist as a platform but for... We could be on OnlyFans here doing this now. Uh, we should be, potentially. I'm, full, I'm fully clothed, PS. Just... Might actually make some money. Um, oh, no, Tony. So that, put no, a... If you screen grab that and put that on our Twitter, Mark, we're, it's over. Yeah. Um, so well done. <laughs> OnlyFans are... challenges there. OnlyFans are legitimately sponsoring Renee in GT World Challenge. So this is a new brand that has seen the value of motorsport and wants to sponsor it. So I think that's a hot. I don't care what your thoughts are about well, Renee and what she does for a living. But can I, can I just take you back on that, though? Have they seen the value of motorsport or have they seen the value of Renee Gracie in motorsport? Either way, it's great. Well, it works both ways. So it yeah. doesn't matter. What's the difference? Um, <laughs> my other hot, I have a semi-serious hot. My other hot is uh, the... <laughs> It's sort of NASCAR related. Um, Bristol Motor Speedway, the Danger Ranger 9000 on dirt. <laughs> Cletus McFarlane took Ford Rangers. Um, that was the for- biggest stack I've ever seen. <laughs> Fortunately, with, with beefed up roll cages this time, because before there would have been death, uh, and took them to the Bristol Motor Speedway half mile, which is still currently filled with dirt after uh, the NASCAR race a couple of weeks ago and ran a 60 lap. Uh, Ford Ranger race and almost every single one of them rolled <laughs> like rolled under their own just they tripped over themselves the things get sideways and the rear wheel collapses under the weight of the sidewaysness on the dirt and the things would just barrel roll um, it's hot that no one was killed yep. um, and it makes for unbelievably good YouTube viewing so hot Cletus McFarlane Rangers on dirt we need to do something like that here in Australia preferably on the Thunderdome um, and, a, and a serious uh, hot for young Aussies overseas continuing to kick goals. So this weekend at Portimao, um, which is not a European DJ, it's a racetrack in Portugal, uh, Ben Barguana will be racing in the TCR World Tour in a Peugeot, which is great. So up against some of the world's best uh, TCR drivers, that'll be great. And Harry Jones starts his European campaign this weekend in Carrera Cup Deutschland. Uh, so Carrera Cup Germany opens their championship in Belgium because Europe, uh, but they're at Spa alongside the World Endurance Championship, six mm-hmm. hours of Spa. So two Carrera Cup races this weekend for our reigning Carrera Cup Australia champ. And then he moves into Porsche Super Cup starting at Monaco at the end of the month. So uh, good stuff for young Aussies. That is a hot looking forward to seeing how they go. Actually, hot to the weekend TV guide that I've put up there on the race talk. It starts at 12.30 uh, lunchtime Friday with the supercars in Perth, and it finishes at 4 o'clock Monday with the high-tech oil super series from Darwin on Monday. And not a so, minute lost in between. Something no. happening every minute. Hang on, Monday? Yeah. The super so, series of racing Monday? Oh, yeah. Are they? Oh, yeah. The TV's 1 till 4 o'clock Monday. 
on Monday. On Monday. Monday. Is Monday a public holiday? No, probably oh. not. Oh. It should be though. Whatever. There might have been a clerical error, mate, but whatever. They're racing on Monday. So, well, good on them. I think. Uh, I think. Do you have any more knots, Mark? Uh, sure. Um... <laughs> right. We're just circling back to that, are we? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, NASCAR and Talic Dagger, the Xfinity series, um, had a lot of what ups, and Blaine Perkins went for a heck of a ride. Lots of barrel rolls in the back straight. He wound up in in and out of hospital, and also the um, accident with Kyle Larson that was particularly ugly. He got oh, uh, yeah. T bone in the passenger door by Ryan Priest going 160 miles an hour, uh, and there seemed to be a lot of roll cage deformation. Uh, those NASCARs, they're a bit lopsided in how they're built. There's a lot of armour plating on the driver's door, but there isn't necessarily on the other side. Whether that's a good or bad thing, NASCAR will figure it out because they've taken that wreck back to the uh, tech centre to be analysed. Um, so that was ugly. Not. Um, Richard, can you explain the blackout at the Speedway? Oh, oh I meant to talk about that. That, that was going to be another hot because, for, not the blackout, but the Speedway being live on 7+. plus was awesome. Really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it turns out people get up South Australia about their power supply. <laughs> but let's not cast stones, West Australia, because you had your one shot with live Speedway on free-to-air television in Australia and your bloody power goes out. Uh, fortunately, apparently the person that crashed into the substation near Quinana where the racetrack is is okay, which is the main thing. What? But is that what happened? Yeah. Did you not see it? There was a massive <laughs> explosion. Someone had a car oh, crash really? into the power transmitter. Uh yeah, but it didn't happen once, it happened twice. The lights went out. Uh at uh, the uh, the Quinana Motorplex down there for live sprint cars. But um otherwise, brilliant show. Live speedway on TV. Who knew it'd be a good thing? Um that's the answer. Oh it had to be a good thing. It was great. Uh, further knots, uh, Marcus Dumsney had a shocking oh, yeah. smash up there at Toowoomba and the Speedway broke his back. He's in hospital at the moment. That's bad. Uh, Dan Tictum standing knot. And um, and I'll put in a knot for OnlyFans. I mean, I'd be on it, but I can't give it away for nothing. So, yeah, mm. that's a shame. Mm. I'm so sorry. I've looked hard and wide and thought about what my knot might be this week. And we it, it, may, it may seem pretty weak, but I think it's a fair knot. I think the gap between races in supercars is too long. I, 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 three or four weeks between yeah, a race right. meeting is just it, the momentum just gets lost. I feel. Shebex, the 2023 calendar, Australian motorsport calendar, is the worst Australian motorsport calendar yeah. there has ever been. Yeah. All right. Enough said. <laughs> to be continued. No, I agree with you. Totally agree with you, 100%. Yeah. Uh, good show, lads. I like it. Uh, check out Wes McDougall's uh, yes. website because he's a ripper bloke and uh, a very, very, very intelligent person, and you will learn things, I'm sure. And this is not an ad. We just like smart no. people who are smarter than me, and uh, he definitely is. So check that out, thecompletericedriver.com. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, no, Mark. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm just going to go and warm up the couch groove and get it ready for the weekend because uh, I'm not moving away. I've got multiple screens, supercars, F1, bit of IndyCar on stand. Might Beautiful. throw the WEC on here or there. I'm going to watch some Quirk up Germany. TCR World Tour will be on somewhere. Some craft beer being delivered shortly, and it'll be just a good weekend. Mm. Hmm. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy folks. your weekend. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.